1: Hey, 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 what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. Tonight, we have another awesome show. We'll have official stories with Liam Chef on, just waiting for Liam to call in. But before he does, I uh, just want to give you a few notifications. If you have not joined me on Facebook, please um Join me there. You can look for me as Darren McDuffie. Connect with me as a friend because I still have some space on my friends list. Or you can connect with me on Facebook.com slash I'm the Fat Man. That's my Facebook fan page. And you can get the latest updates to the show and also other pertinent health information. Now, um, in addition to that, you can connect with me on Twitter at TheFat underscore Man. And I am there on Twitter, so you can connect with me there. And I'm also on Pinterest, and I believe I'm, I'm the fat man on Pinterest as well. Although I don't use Pinterest that much, you can connect with me um, there. Um, didn't have a show last week, but the week before we had Noelle Cuero on the show. I think I talked about this before. Noelle is a nutritionist, and that was a really, really good show. If you're looking for some health information, you can go to that show and actually uh, get a lot of good information on the show On next week's shows, we'll have Dr. Ellen Cutler. Dr. Uh, Cutler is actually a chiropractor, and she does a lot with food sensitivities, and that's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which I love talking about, and we'll be talking about that, how to clear food food sensitivities and other allergies and things of that nature. So that should be a good show. So we're waiting for Liam to call in. Let me just uh, refresh my browser here just to make sure nothing's. Because I know last week we had a, a bit of an issue. But bear with me for one minute here. So hang on for one second here. Let me just make sure that Liam is on. I gave him the time here and we need to make sure that he is coming on. All right. So hold on one second. I'm not sure why um, Liam hasn't called in just yet, but we will see what happens here. Give him another couple of minutes. Maybe something came up and uh, we'll get started with the show as soon as I can get him on here. All right, so I'm not sure what is going on here waiting for him to call in. I have one call in the switchboard, but I know that's not him. So uh, let me see what's going on. I hope he didn't get his times mixed up because I kept telling him, you know, the West Coast. He is on the West Coast, so it was 5 o'clock his time. So let's just see what's going on here. Pardon me for a little bit. Jeremy, one second. I'm going to give him a call and see if he's going to come on here, so bear with me. All right. So he should be here in a few moments here, and we'll get the, the show started. Sorry about that. I don't know. I guess you got his, his times mixed up here, so we will get started. but in the meantime, again, connect with me on all the social media sites and um let's see what what happened this week. I don't know if anybody has been watching the uh elections and all of that other stuff, but I'm not a big election person <laughs> but but uh, if you have uh, and you're following that um then you know great for you, but oh, I think that he's here in the switchboard. Here we go. Hey, Liam, is that you? Liam. Hello. Hey, Darren. Hey, how are you, man? Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Sorry for the delay.
1: Not a problem. You you must have. I was telling everybody I was sitting here talking on the air saying you might have been on, on West Coast time there. Then you might have forgotten. But um, But that's okay. It's live radio, man. Things happen. Don't worry about it. Um, can you tell us how you got started with your whole thing of, you know, I know you wrote the book official stories, but how did you get started in all of this research? I'd just like to give the audience a little bit of background.
0: Oh God. Background's awfully boring. Let me find this. Usually people want just the, the topic itself. So background is I grew up in a family of doctors, scientists, and researchers. So that was the family business. Um, I'm just a very, very, very curious person. I was researching from, as far as I remember, the third grade on. My first research paper was in the third grade on uh, mm-hmm. astronomy. Uh, and, of course, it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you had to you know, map how big different stars were. And the idea was they got bigger over time. Uh, but in, I, I think plasma physics would tell you that they're, it's more energy-dependent than than age-dependent. And that's, of course, in my book. Um, so growing up in a family of doctors, scientists, and researchers taught me not to be very impressed with the things that people and, you know, officials said. Because they're not usually true. They're just, you know, leftover bits of inherited stuff, history that they were taught, that they, you know, I guess learned by paying somebody for a degree. Uh, and I learned that they changed their minds whenever they wanted to. And they published whatever they you know, was sort of fashionable. I mean, medicine and science are really a lot like fashion. Um, People change their minds and because it's all petroleum industry, you know, it's all petrol uh, chemicals, petrol funded, you know, that's really all you get. You'll never get anything coming out of the medical establishment that doesn't support the petrochemical industry. They'll never say, you know, not, you know, they'll never say eating factory farm stuff causes diseases because factory farms are the petroleum industry. Uh, the meat and dairy industry, or the petroleum industry they have the, the petroleum makes the monsanto land food that goes into the cows uh that we you know the cows eat this stuff it 's not really food, and we eat those you know g m o fed pesticide sprayed animals and people get very sick. We live in a very 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 sick culture mm-hmm. uh we live in a culture that's more or less deranged from top to bottom. most of our history is not true most of what happens in courts just is not true. It depends on either how much money you have or on you know, side of corruption or not. Most of what happens in law is sort of the same thing. So this, if you get involved with any kind of real politics, you'll see that the, you know, the truer shows on television are shows like uh, the Sopranos <laughs> and uh <laughs> You Know that's really how things are done. It's who you know and what kind of muscle you have. It's it's very Old Testament still It's a very Old
1: Testament world Yeah, so there there's a little background a little philosophy Yeah, so I wanted to give you a jump off point I'm just going to kind of like wind you up and and watch you go here But I I watched one of your YouTube videos and this was kind of inspired me when I met you at the uh, GMO summit that we had here in Florida was um, you did a topic, and on your YouTube video, you did a, it's a very good video with regards to you said something about science says. So can you get into a little bit of that, that talk a little bit about that, um, or if you can remember the, the YouTube video you did. I think it was a while ago, but it was a very good video on science says and why we believe what we believe and why we kind of need to question what we believe.
0: Well, anything we get from authority is generally uh, trusted when we're children. Well, we might reject it when we're young children. And then at a certain point, we want good grades, so we accept it. And that's how it transitions. You know, we go from going, that doesn't make sense. We say, oh, that doesn't make sense. And we get punished. And then we say, do you want do you want to pass this class or not? And we say, yeah, I guess so. I say, well, then it makes sense. Okay, it makes sense. And we forget that we didn't, we forget that we once argued against it because we got an A. You know, I mean, we got an A. Uh, and we got an A for not repeating what made sense or what seemed true, but we got an A for repeating what we were told to repeat. And that's how you make, you know, 120000 $250,000 a year. You do what you're told to do. You can be a little bit good at it, or at least not a total failure, but if you do what you're told to do and you have some charm, you can rise to a, a level of great success in this country. If you keep asking questions, you'll... Uh, you know, fall through the cracks and be, you know, somebody who's a curiosity, you know, a, a troublemaker. Well, we don't know what this person's talking about. Well, they're, they're a conspirator. They're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, they're, they're asking, it's good to ask questions, but not too many questions. Uh, you want to talk about science, but it, it it would be the same in religion. It's the same in government. It's the same in court or family law. It's It's always the same. Whatever comes down through authority, uh, and scientific authority is just the authority of people who took essentially took over the medieval church. There's really no difference. Uh, the people who took over the medieval church after the you know so-called Enlightenment Reformation um, are are people who just were into obscure texts and to uh, believing that they knew more than other people. And and so, so when scientists talk, we say, oh, they're scientists. But we don't really know what that means. Oh, well, they're theologians. Oh, well, they're judges and they're lawyers. Well, they must know what they're talking about. Not really. I mean, they know the limited rules of the little game they play. It doesn't mean they're ethical. It doesn't mean they're honest. It doesn't mean they're genuine. It doesn't mean that their heart's in the right place. Or even if their heart's in the right place, it doesn't mean that their brain is in the right place. It doesn't mean that they've done comparative research. So take a field like, you know, virology or take uh, take conventional Western marriage. You know, we're all told that this is the way that we've always done it. Uh, this is the way to do it. You You like somebody and you get together and then you forbid them from ever liking anybody else. And you promise that you'll never like anybody else. And that's supposed to be a healthy relationship. Well, you got together because you ended up liking each other before knowing each other. But now that you've liked each other, you can't like anybody else ever. Or you're cheating, and you're a bad person. This is one of these inherited things that people don't usually question. If you question, you can quite you can question and take apart with elementary logic, eighth ninth grade law. Lo- I mean, very straightforward stuff. You know, if a equals b the, and b equals c, then a equals c. And if not, there's a problem along the way. Uh, if if things don't work in a logical analysis then you should, we should, as a culture, be able to say, well, it doesn't really work, let's find a better version of this. But we don't, because we're not a logical species. Uh, scientists come forward and they say that they have special training. So when they say that a bird flu is going around, you know, you have to believe them. And when they say that the Ebola is in Africa, then you have to believe them. And, it, and you, you really, they don't really want, they, don't, they want you to do what they say. They don't mm-hmm. want you to say, but wait a second, what are they spraying over there? Isn't it legal for them to spray DDT and organochlorines and organophosphates? Isn't it legal for them to spray every brand of disgusting poisonous carcinogen, that some of which are illegal here in, in the West, some, not all? Isn't it legal for us to blow up the ground over there to dig for rare earths and metals? Isn't that legal? Yeah, it's legal. What does legal mean? It means that the judge said, okay. <laughs> That's all it means. It doesn't mean that... God in heaven or Zeus or Hera or Athena or Yahweh, it doesn't mean any spiritual force said it was okay. It doesn't mean it's ethically okay. It just means some judge says, yeah, you can dig into these people's ancestral land or whatever it is for all of these minerals, and you can use all these chemicals to suppress whatever chemicals are coming up, and you can release all these chemicals into the water, and you can make sure that nobody gets clean latrines, and you can make sure that there are no sewage systems anywhere. And now we can say that this area has particular disease, and we'll tell everybody in America this, and we'll get everybody vaccinated, which makes another billion dollars for some drug company. And in a couple of years, they'll do it again. When scientists say things, you really should say, really? Really? You know, can you show show me the line? You know, show me the 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 chain of possession. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the chain of custody. Show me the chain of custody of this information. And you you have to go deep. Most people are so busy, you know, trying to earn enough money in essentially this uh, slave market system. You know, just trying to earn enough money, going to some horrifying job to work with uh, you know a variety of people that they'd rather not even know, uh, putting stuff on shelves <laughs> that come from another country. Right. And, and, and then they come home, and they're so blitzed out from this neon-infused day that they all they can do is lay on the floor in front of the television and wait for sleep to come. That's about where we live. I'm sorry if that's too uh, dark or cynical, but I've no, been I'm around. Down, yeah. I've seen it You're right. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm good. Let's talk about Sunny. Let's go ahead. You you
1: throw the yeah, next I, ball. Yeah, I off. had yeah I had a question for you. It's uh and, and I had just just finished speaking with someone about this. Is that every year we have these different? One year it was the bird flu. Uh, the year before that it was something else, and then now it's Ebola. But one of the things that's always crossed my mind is why do these things seem to originate? <clears throat> they all seem to either come from other countries. For instance, like I think the bird flu came from China. That's where they were saying it originated. And then everything else comes from Africa. Why? I mean, even when way, way years ago, I remember people saying that AIDS originated in Africa. But why hmm. is it that these things tend to come from other cultures more so than within you know, the American culture and then why are they transferred over here They get us all scared and we're fearful of, you know, catching this or catching that. Why is that? Ha- why does that happen?
0: Well, I'll ask, I'll ask you. Uh, you know, what's, what's amazing about us is that we're still the same species that we ever were. We're still the same tribal species uh, that people wrote about in this horrendous book. I'm going to alienate some of your people called The Bible. Uh, in which an angry mountain god called Yahweh lets his people kill anybody they want to. You're always allowed to kill the other people, the people who are not of your group. It's always that way. Uh, And the Old Testament, really, uh, a a lot of old Jewish fairy tales, um, uh, is very clear that their mountain god said, yes, you can go kill the Midianites, and you can go kill the, you know, whatever, the Benjaminites or the Canaanites, whatever the ites were that they had to kill because they weren't exactly like them. They weren't circumcised or, you know, something. And I'm not just picking on Jews or Old Testament. I'm saying that we're, as a species, you could look at the Zulu. You can look at Shaka Zulu. Mm-hmm. If it's join or die. It's always join or die. we're We're, we're a very unpleasant animal in some ways. Uh, sometimes we're very loving, and sometimes we're very kind. Uh, and maybe some cultures are kinder than others. We have a friendly surface in America, but we find it very easy to f- find others who aren't here and you know sprayed with as much Monsanto juice as we are, and aren't living in a first-world way, uh, and maybe aren't marrying according to our you know our, archaic strange marriage customs. We find it very easy to um, condemn them, right? Well, mm-hmm. you see, they they don't factory farm their birds. They have live birds running around, and that's how they got the bird flu. Ah, you see, because we factory farm birds, which means that we give them carcinogenic uh, chemicals and spray all kinds of stuff on them, and we inject them with so many pest, uh, antibiotics that they're deadly for us to eat. But, see, that's better. It's better the way that we do it. Now, if you present this argument or, you know, in the details or the argument about vaccination to most people and you gave them the details like vaccination, you know, vaccination. Well, you inject um, chemicals, animal, uh, mycoplasmas, proteins, DNA, metals, um, inflammatory agents. You inject these into a very small person and that's supposed to be good for them. But, of course, it causes a lot of inflammation and it causes a lot of nerve damage, or at least it seems to be causing a lot of nervous system damage, brain, even brain damage. If you make that argument, people are like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. If you inject all that stuff into somebody's muscle and fat, of course, it's not going to be really helpful. And then you say, well, that's vaccination. And then they go, oh, what? No, 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 vaccination saves lives. Vaccination is good for you. And, you. and you say, well, you just, I just told you what vaccination was without using the word. We're okay if we're allowed to talk about details, but give somebody a big name, you know, give somebody like a big word to throw around, vaccination saves lives, you know, HIV causes AIDS, Uh, cancer is cured by chemotherapy. These become religious. This is part of our religion. It's part of our religion now. Uh, And there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, you can learn about it and try to get away from the crazies, but... You're not you're not gonna change a system that is you know, this system isn't built to be changed. Mm-hmm. It's 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 built on the oil bubble. You know, everything that we have is is built on a petroleum bubble that got started in the early twentieth century. And I will pause mm-hmm. on that point.
1: Yeah, explain what you mean by by a petroleum bubble. I know what you mean, but maybe someone's out there listening and they they don't know what you mean, but explain that.
0: Um all right. Well, in the 19th century, which is the 1800s, uh, the world, the Western world, Europe and America and other countries, got into Russia, got into coal. And we started burning coal, which is a lot denser than wood. and You can burn it to keep houses warm, but it's really toxic. You can just kill people doing that. Uh, but you can also, instead of burning a ton, literally tons of wood, you can burn hundreds of pounds of coal and get a very, very hot fire going they can burn. Uh, they can boil a lot of water, and that water, a lot of water, will create a lot of steam. And steam under pressure will push a piston, and that will move objects around. That'll pump water out of a out of a, a coal mine, or if you put it on wheels, it'll move wheels along along the ground. And if you put down a track, it'll move wheels along the ground without so much friction, which is a train. So we got into the Industrial Revolution thanks to burning things. I mean, if, if people always like to think that we're very technologically advanced. And in some very small ways we are, like talking across electromagnetic waves. It's pretty pretty nifty, but that's just the property of electromagnetism, uh, radio waves, television waves. Um, what we really do in the world is we light things on fire and we create pressure. We either do it with coal or with gasoline. Um, and to make electricity, we spin a wheel that has magnets on it, and that's it. There are really two machines in the world that matter, and I just named both of them. It's, gas, it's a thing that you explode gasoline in and drive a piston, or it's a thing that you spin to make electricity. By You spin a wheel that with magnets around a core of a, a conductor, and that pushes electrons down that conductor. Uh, and if you put it in reverse and push electrons down the conductor, it'll spin the wheel. So you have a motor and a generator all in one, more or less. Um, we got into oil in the in the 1850s, but there were no cars then. There were trains. Oil was mostly used to heat homes, and it was coming up in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Oklahoma, California, Texas. Uh, somebody decided that to, to switch from you know making steam out of water. To exploding you know some of these flammable fluids to drive a piston, and eventually they got the internal combustion engine out of it and that's that's the most important machine of our lives The internal combustion engine makes everything happen it can make anything spin go go up a road, go up a mountain, it can make generators turn to make electricity it can pump water uh, out of streets so that you can reclaim land. It keeps the sewage going away from houses and keeps clean. Well, not clean anymore. Chemically treated water going into houses. Uh, oil did all of this. Oil burst forward in the early 1900s, 1901, 02 in Texas. The internal combustion engine, I think, had already been yeah already been invented. But it, you know, without a ton of oil, I mean, without tons and tons and tons of oil, there's you know the internal combustion engine might just have been a like a fanciful. Uh, objects, like, oh, look, we could do this if we had more of this. But it's not, you know, but there became tons and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions and millions and millions and then billions of barrels of oil pulled out of the ground. And there's a reason why the 20th century looks different than the 19th century, than the 18th century, than the 17th century. And there's a reason why things look almost the same from about the 5th century to about the 17th century, uh, 16th. You know, there's a reason, and it's because oil is worth so much energy. It's worth tens of a barrel of oil, 42 gallons worth, 20 uh, something thousand hours of human labor. Just a single barrel, 23,000 hours of labor. It, un, unbelievable amounts of energy. So we live in a world that doesn't, we don't really touch reality anymore. We don't have to, we don't worry about water. We don't have to go looking for food except to the grocery store. And we don't have to worry about um, uh, really protection from the elements because we can buy clothes for cheap at Old Navy or Kmart or Walmart. All of this is brought to us on the back of the oil slavery, uh, oil slaves. No, these aren't Mm -hmm. people. This is oil that does the work of billions of people, billions and billions of people per day. And my great concern, and the thing that's part of my new book, uh, my new book is not out yet Mm -hmm. and is not finished yet, but uh but there's a there's a touch you know there's a little note in the official stories about oil that you know I really got into it more after writing that um my big concern, and I think it's a real concern is, and I don't think there's much people can do about it, but it's that we are at a particular place in oil production and oil discovery uh where we're going to be on the decline. And we've become a very lazy, um, poorly, cap- you know, very incapable species. We were once a very capable species. You know, we could get by in a variety of, a variety of environments using simple tools, uh, using plants and animals, and to make shelter, uh, reeds and bushes and leaves and brick and fire to get everything we needed to live and it might have been a smellier way of life at times but it was less in some ways it was less polluted but we don't know how to do that anymore and it's very hard to learn that it's very hard uh you've got to separate yourself from the whole world to learn that no it's very hard to do that so i think that we're looking at the sort of down the barrel of oil decline and that that is one of the thing that one of the things that motivates me to get into uh Permaculture and gardening and learning how to grow food,
1: yeah, everybody should learn how to do that um Why does it seem like I, I to me it just seems like I'm not that old, but I remember when you know coming up in my teens in you know ten, eleven, twelve years old, it seems like there was so much to look forward to the advances in, you know, computers and all that stuff. I remember playing with Atari and the ping pong and all of that stuff. You probably do too as well, but it seems like things have kind of taken off, but the more technology we get, it just seems like the more we are moving backwards and it's like science is beginning to kind of override itself uh, with regards to trying to grow everything too fast. We have, you know, too many vaccines and all this stuff. What are what are your thoughts on that? Are we going backwards, or are we? Is there that illusion that we're moving forward, but we're actually moving backwards, so to speak?
0: Well, I think you made the point as well as I could. Uh,
1: I, you know, we can we can
0: easily be hypnotized by a few shallow innovations, um, but everything really still runs on the spinning wheel, which is electricity, and the exploding material, which is gasoline. The iPhone is no different. It runs on the spinning wheel, which is electricity. It is dead without electricity. It runs on chemicals that are dragged out of mines in countries that have, you know, political structures that we usually say are, you know, incredibly corrupt. But when we need their strange metals, their, you know, rare earths, we'll we'll buy them. Um, and they're all made by slave labor, captive labor, essentially, in Asia. Uh, so if this is our measure of our height, the iPhone, um, then we really, we haven't achieved as much as we think because that's a a machine that creates illusions, you know, just creates make-believe on glass. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, things that aren't really there, things that aren't there without the electricity and the oil to sort of power them through. It's not like a great poem that you remember. It's not like a, a loving embrace from a friend, you know, that makes you feel better. It's just, it, if, if this is the, you know, I, I, I turned on a movie the other day, uh, actually, that I have to return. It was so bad.
1: <laughs> what was it? Uh,
0: it was called, it was called X-Men, and it was the new X-Men movie, right? All right. So I'm watching this movie, and, in the movie because the boys the fanboys who watched the last couple didn't like them i guess the director gave them everything they wanted so they sort of pretend i don't know what they did it's like it's like when a movie is bad and in order to get around it they invoke time travel so in this movie they invoke time travel and you know that you know there's no there's just no tension in a movie that lets you travel in time because if you can travel in time once, you can do it as many times as you want. Look at the Terminator series, right? Who cares? Oh, well, I guess they'll just travel in time again, fix it. Like Star Trek, well, why don't they just travel in time to be for the prof- – right? So we can't really time travel except in our imaginations. But our culture – this is something that movies do when they're sort of bankrupt. They go for this flashy thing. And for a minute, you're you're – okay, oh, look, you went backward. But really – that means that nothing is at stake, and there's no, the drama is pretty slack, and you might get some action sequences out of it. And as a culture, we're a lot like that. We, we keep impressing ourselves. We keep going back through this time loop through iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And because iPhone 1 was a big deal, iPhone 7 has to be a big deal. And we have to have a big event and talk about it. But it's an illusion, it's not real. There's no water in it. You can't squeeze any water from it. You cannot get food out of it. You can tell me that in the the net world, you might be able to use it to make some money, and I'll believe you. But I'm looking at food, water, shelter, protection from the elements, and human relationships as the most important things that we can have. And I don't really see our current fascination with microscopic electronics, taking us taking us there. I, I do want to uh, put a plug uh, in for any per- meet-up groups in your area that do permaculture. Mm-hmm. Um, permaculture is a way to do gardening that uses perennials, things that grow year after year after year um, without having to use a ton of fertilizer. You actually m- make your own soil through composting. You develop these great uh, uh, homespun Technologies, you know, of, of piling uh, dead grass and then, you know, manure or uh, food scraps or leftover or whatever, and and then grass and then this and then you let it gets very hot because of the pressure and the bacteria and then you turn it and within a month or two months you have this great soil, and great soil is, you know, great soil should be worth millions of dollars, mm-hmm. um, but we, you know, that means that you can grow food in it and that's a technology that is worth investing in. So I think that permaculture is a technology that's worth investing in. And I think iPhones are not. I know that everybody has to have a cell phone and that it's clever. They're also very distracting. And I think that we suffer from information overload. Uh, We're not built, we're not really evolved or wired or whatever word you want to use to handle as much information uh, as comes to us. And so I, I think we, we, we go a little blurry and, you know, our, our brains desperately just try to sift out what seems urgent. But we, it's difficult to tell. We're also social creatures. So any call to be sociable is usually answered no matter how important it is. And I can tell you that from experience that Facebook can suck months of your life away. Months. Uh, months. Truly months. Because you're just in these endless, you know, circular conversations that aren't really real. They're not improving the quality of your life you're not getting a water source out of it you're not building a garden with neighbors you're not deepening your friendships so yeah thumbs down to uh the big electronic world that i'm using i know i use
1: it (laughs) yeah everybody does you can't you can't get around do you limit yourself on on the stuff do you like uh, i know some people say well you know what i only answer my phone when i'm Alone or something like that. They're out with friends, or they restrict themselves to maybe like ten to fifteen minutes on the internet or something of like that. Maybe thirty minutes, not ten to fifteen. That goes so quick. But maybe thirty minutes. Do you do any of that type of stuff?
0: Yeah, I've learned. I've learned to the hard way by not limiting myself and, and just getting totally lost in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just lost, like days going by on and in long threaded arguments. Now, because I've done a lot of debate, I've done a lot of it online. A lot of that's helped research, but some of it's just been pointless. You know, a lot of it, a lot of it's just been pointless. So I do. I I I I devalued it. It took me a while. You know, it it took me a while to 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 realize that it just didn't have much value, and it's hard because we're we you know we came around as this this tribal foraging species, hundreds of thousands or millions of years, we we form these little social, real social networks. And when somebody wants to talk with you, you know, you you look over and you see what it is. Mm -hmm. But now you have this make-believe social network and a computer, what they call a bot, a program can want to talk to you. Or somebody you don't know can like or dislike something that you thought might have been cute once, three days ago. And so you're lost in another time loop. You know, we're just constantly lost in these hysterical science fiction time loops, and we're we waste, wasting, wasting, wasting. Not that life is a struggle to create and be incredibly efficient, but we're we're not we're not even we're not even really building real friendships. You know, we're, we're not even having the soothing, um, you know, presence of another human being around us, somebody to care about, somebody to give a hug to. So, you know, we, we don't even have that. Uh, so so yeah, I do limit myself to
1: it. Yeah, it's cha- it's changed a lot. I remember that's we was...
0: I'm sorry. Ask me a funny question. No, <laughs> no that's okay. We just
1: we just we're just talking. Yeah, but it's it's it's. I remember we used to call girls on the phone, and then now you see some of the young guys. It's just like a whole text conversation. They they avoid calling each other, so it's it's, it's changed a lot. Um, I saw a documentary some time ago on HIV. Can't remember the name of it um, right off hand here. I'll probably think of it when we get off the air, but it was talking about the whole thing of how HIV was discovered. Does it really uh, lead up to having AIDS? Is it really real? Um, and that's always kind of lingered in my mind because it made me bring up a lot of questions to question what I've been told, what I've heard about HIV and all of these other things. And you've kind of done a lot of research on that or and some, spent some time yourself uh, mulling over HIV. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Well, HIV is a religion. Um, it's in my book, by the way, uh, chapter 6 of my book, chapter Chapter five will warm you up to it. To it. It's about vaccines. Uh, uh-huh. Chapter nine is about Big Bang, which is a fiction. Um, let's see, seven is about Shakespeare. Six is the HIV chapter. Anyway, official stories. It's up there on Amazon. And I think that the explanation that I, the, at least the argument that I put forward in the book, is the best one I can make. And it is that this is functionally a religion. You give somebody a test. The test is not accurate. The test comes up positive for a lot of things in the medical literature and in people. Uh, And then you take drugs, and the drugs are very, very, very poisonous, and they will kill you. And I really don't know how to thread the needle any more simply than that. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people got sick in the 70s who were doing a ton of drugs. They were destroying their intestines and their bowels. With uh, strong antibiotics, with uh, lubricants that contain benzene, they got very sick. They were doing carcinogenic drugs called poppers. They got even sicker. They went into the hospital. They were given even more antibiotics. They died. People want to blame things like you know viruses because, as a as a friend uh, as a friend of mine said. Um, Years ago, you can't sue. If you blame a virus and you're wrong, you know, you can't sue a virus. But if it's really the chemical industry, the pharmaceutical, drug, petro industry, and it's all of these things that are going into us that are creating this mass onslaught, you could get it in your mind to protest or to sue. But if you blame a ghost, functionally a ghost, like something you can't see, only the very special people tell you have, only they have the cure for it. It's very medieval. If you blame that, people will get very involved with it. You know, it's it really is a religion. People will get very involved with the thought that there's something in them that they can't see, which is a very old religious thought. You know, it's like a negative spirit, you know. Oh, well, maybe you have a demon in you. That's what fundamentalists will say. Maybe you have a demon. Yeah, maybe not you know, maybe, you know, there are people who are pretty awful and maybe they have psychological problems and maybe they're people who are very kind and maybe they just have good dispositions. And maybe if you take handfuls of antibiotics for years at a time, you will punch holes in your gut, Mm -hmm. you'll get every kind of candida, every kind of fungal infection, and you'll get sick. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what happened uh the mainstream version is there for everybody you know to to buy into that for you know magically out of africa sometime in the 1800s i guess now uh somebody met a monkey and i don't know what and then somehow somebody on vacation in uh dominican republic you know brought it back to new york really and it doesn't <laughs> matter how many drugs he took how many antibiotics they took doesn't matter doesn't matter that they were putting benzene into their colons. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they hadn't slept properly for six months. Doesn't matter that they were taking It Doesn't matter. Okay, you guys win.
1: Yeah, and there you, you know, go you with Africa
0: again. You yeah, it came
1: from true. It's just, it's just wild true. that everything kind of comes from just comes from Africa mysteriously. I don't get that
0: because it's a because it's a it's a black box to us. It's a mystery. Most Americans don't read about Africa. We don't know about Africa. We don't know the history of Africa. we don't know King Leopold, we don't know the central African Republic. we don't know Edi Amin, we don't know Uganda. you know we don't know um, apartheid we don't know uh, the <laughs> the police state that was uh, uh, erected in in South Africa. We don't know the Bantustans, the tinshak towns we don't you know we just don't know and if you dropped us there, we'd have all the diseases that people have there because they're poverty. That's what they are. They're they're deadly poverty. And we will find out again, we used to have a lot of those diseases here before we put in we, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers and in, in different localities and cities put in plumbing. But we can get those sicknesses again. We can have mysterious hemorrhagic fever again. We have tropics in this country. We have New Orleans and Florida and Georgia. We have all we we can be that sick. It's not a big mystery. I mean the tropics are are horrible, deadly places to get sick. They're full of millions of kinds of biting, or at least hundreds of thousands of kind of biting parasitic nightmares. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's one of the things about the world
1: that we don't we don't remember. Yeah, um, let's talk about the pharmaceutical industry. I come from that industry. I, I got out. A couple of years ago when my mom got sick, and I'm glad I got out and found out what I found out about the industry. But since being out since 2002, I'm seeing a lot of uh, places where, uh, for instance, like GlaxoSmithKline got fined several millions of dollars for promoting drugs that weren't really the uh, – weren't really – promoting drugs to doctors that weren't really um, – things that they should have been promoted for, I think. uh, And then you see other things uh, uh, as well coming about pharmaceutical companies. But why do we keep giving pharmaceutical uh, companies chances? And why do people believe that these drugs are going to do something for them, which in actuality they may, but then again, you go down a deeper rabbit hole and it's not really helping them. What's what's your take on, on pharmaceutical companies?
0: Well, um, this flew by, and this will have to be my parting shot and i'm I'm happy to come back if if you if you want um yeah, the reason sure. why it the, the reason why is because we live in the petroleum bubble, and pharmaceuticals are what comes out of the petroleum industry we We used to live different and often i'd say often harder lives um There are periods of real hardship in agriculture having to make the land produce enough food for everybody sometimes in some places it was pretty easy Uh, a lot of the the mid tropics you know places that get a lot of sun and rain if they're not bedeviled by monsoons and typhoons you can get a lot of food out of a little bit of land but human beings have decided for some reason to be adventurous and try to live everywhere in the world Um, and life can be challenging to eke out actually it is if you have to do it all by by hand or spear or even by a uh, till or scythe or any other means of planting. So when the, when farming – I mean, we've only – we had a garden when I was a kid. My grandmother had a garden. Before that, those are for show, but before that, in my grandmother's mother's generation, gardens were for food. And in my grandmother's grandmother's generation, they were for real food. Like, you produced a lot of food at home. And you might go to the provision store to get things that were grown by larger farms, like big bushels of wheat or some of the plants you didn't grow or fat uh, if you lived in an area that didn't have any seeds, uh, like, you know, fatty seeds, fat-producing seeds. So it's been like a vacation. You know, most of the 20th century, it's been sort of this vacation where things got easier and easier. And we had to do less and less to get food. And I think people look at the pharmaceutical industry as that same kind of thing. Well, if getting food has gotten so much easier, I can go to Chipotle and they tell me that I'm getting this organic thing for four dollars, and it's pretty good. Then I should also trust the the industry that gave me that gives us drugs because it's the same industry. And whatever, however, organic Chipotle is, it's the same industry. You know, everything modern exists because of oil. Petroleum, either farming it or grabbing it or heating it or bringing it. And drugs are literally petroleum byproducts, you know, they're literally, you know, petrochemical products. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that has to
1: be my final answer of the show. Yeah. You, um, before you go, you, I know that you're writing a new book. You got a title yet for the book?
0: Well, the title, I never give away the title before it's, uh, Uh, Okay. (laughs) I know. That's just one of my things. It's on it's on the it's on let's call it let's say that it's on the thing called like the myth of monogamy, but I'm talking about our marriage system that's sort of guarded by jealousy, that enforces jealousy as a means to own and control people rather than forming tribal units so that we could actually support people, we could actually grow food and and you know have a lot of mutual support. So think of the the myth of monogamy. I'll, I'll come up with a better title, but that's along the way.
1: Yeah, and then your book, official stories, is on Amazon and where else can they get that?
0: Uh, Amazon and I guess CreateSpace has a link, and some people buy it and sell it, but mostly Amazon.
1: Okay, great. And, Kindle, and
0: you can read you can read it on uh you can read it for cheap on on, on an e-reader. If you have a computer, you can download the free talking about digital stuff, you can download the free reader from Amazon. And and I think that's only $3. I mean, the book is only $3 to read that way. And I think it's 12 to get a paperback. Okay.
1: And your website, what's your website? My website is my name, which is,
0: which is Liam L I A M like Liam Neeson, chef, S C H like school, E F F Liam chef.com.
1: All right. And I'm sorry we didn't crack it. I'm sorry we didn't crack a lot of jokes. No, no, no. This is a. I call this a, a thinking man show. So if someone is listening to the show, um, then it's going to make them think. And that's what I always like to do when I'm talking to people about nutrition. So it, you have to think. You can't just always just be like, okay, well, think and have fun. But I enjoyed it. Hopefully you'll come back. Of course. Darren, thank All you very right. much. And
0: thank, sorry for being tardy. I, I, I somehow missed uh, I, th- I th- my apologies.
1: No problem, man. It happens. Thank you for being on.
0: Okay. Bye. All
1: right. Have a good night. All right. All right. That was a good show. You you learn how everything is kind of connected to the petroleum industry. We hit on a lot of subjects in such a short time, but like I told Liam, it's a thinking man show. And next week, We will have another show on. Um, We'll be talking about food sensitivities and clearing the body of parasites and and different things. We have Dr. Ellen Cutler on the show, and her book is Clearing the Way to Health and Wellness. So she'll be on next Wednesday. Hopefully you'll join me next Wednesday, Wednesday. Same fat time, same fat channel. Thanks for listening tonight. Peace and love.